0: The views and opinions expressed by a little bit culty are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the podcast. Any content provided by our guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, business individual, anyone, or anything. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah Edmondson.
1: And I'm Anthony Ames, a.k.a. Nippy.
0: And we just want to welcome you to Season 3 of A
1: A Little Little Bit Culty.
0: Once upon a time, we were in a cult called Nexium.
1: We didn't know it was a cult when we joined, because as a wise man once said, nobody joins a cult. They join a good thing.
0: For a minute, it was a good thing. That's where we met, fell in love, got married, started a family.
1: The stuff of storybooks.
0: Even the part where we woke up, escaped, became whistleblowers, and helped bring it all down—you call that shit show a storybook?
1: Seeing the mastermind of Nexium get sentenced to 120 years in prison—that's a storybook ending, if you ask me.
0: The whole thing was captured on HBO's hit docu-series *The Vow*.
1: A new season is coming out any moment—if it isn't out already by the time you hear this.
0: And I published a memoir called *Scarred*, which is available anywhere books are sold.
1: And now we have a podcast.
0: Every week on A Little Bit Culty, we call on experts, advocates, fellow survivors, and whistleblowers to help us unpack what's going on in the cultiverse.
1: And now we're turning our story into wisdom for other people.
0: Like, I wish I'd known that calling yourself Vanguard was a bit of a red flag.
1: Yeah, big red flag. We've got a lot to cover. So let's get this show rolling, shall we?
0: Welcome to A Little Bit Culty, an A Cast podcast about the fads, beliefs, and trends that blur the line between devotion and destruction. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And to learn more, visit us on Instagram or a littlebitculty.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of two of the bento box set. The box. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I highly recommend that. It will make more sense. Let's get on with it. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Bento Box Part Two, our second episode with these beautiful souls brave enough to tell their stories. The first one was so epic, we decided we had to we had to come back and, and break it up into two parts because there was so much to cover.
1: And we want to hear how the story ends, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. What we covered last time, everyone introduced themselves and we talked about how everybody got in to this group and started following this man and what the hooks were and what was good about your time there because as we know nobody joins a cult on purpose you join a good thing so what was the good stuff we talked about that and we talked about the red flags that you all saw along the way but couldn't reconcile for the most part i think because you were in different ways already indoctrinated into the idea that you were there to grow and growing was going to be hard and you're going to be hitting up against your issues and your challenges and you'd signed an NDA and you'd agreed that no pain, no gain, you got to get through it. And so in different ways, all of you feels like had moments where you're like, this is really awful, but that's what I need to go to the next level of my growth. And you trusted him. You trusted this person to take you on that path. And because of that goodness and your own hope, idealism in different ways, and your own Wants and dreams and desires, that goodness always outweighed the, Ugh, this is not right feeling in your gut. does that feel accurate what I'm saying for you guys? yeah, yeah, totally
2: yeah. yeah,
0: so you've all shared what some of those red flags were, and some of those things were really hard to hear, and I commend you for sharing them. It's not easy. most people when they they recognize they've been through something like this, just want to hide under a rock, and you aren't doing that, so just a reminder that. You're all amazing and strong for doing this.
1: You see what you're looking at now, right? So when was the moment you guys started to recognize what you were looking at?
0: And just one other thing to add there, just for your own like understanding, and this is from this book, "Take Back Your Life, that a lot of the things that you saw and shared last time are individual events that you can't reconcile. It's like you put it on the shelf. There's a shelf behind me. So you put this incident on the shelf and this gaslighting on the shelf and this conversation on the shelf and that tweet that you read on the shelf. But then one day something happens and the shelf breaks and that's the wake up. So what we're looking at right now is what was the final item on the shelf? What was the final straw on the camel's back that made you go, okay, I got to get the fuck out of this situation. Jacqueline.
2: Okay, cool. So for me, it was really hard because I had such a programmed belief that anything that I saw that was an inconsistency or anything I had an issue with was my ego. Any negative thoughts I had about him were my test to overcome or some distortion about myself. So it was actually really, really hard to accept any of these final red flags, even at the end. I also was so devoted. Like I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting in this chair and I would be the one sharing these things. I thought I would go to my grave 120% devoted. So while I was there, I was working full-time for the company and In lieu of a wage, I was being paid back this loan, this financial exchange that had been given. And as time went on, my nervous system was a mess. Like, I started to have periods of panic almost every single day. I was in a fight or flight most of the time. I couldn't share anything that was going on with anyone in my family or my friends because we had signed this NDA. So I also couldn't share with any people in the community because i had such an intimate relationship with ben so me sharing anything that went on in our personal world was like a violation of our relationship and so there had been this moment where i confided in one of my closest friends at the time who i thought was one of my closest friends and i told her about the money and some of the things that had gone on and she didn't really have any solid advice for me but what i didn't know at the time was that she started questioning him and also questioning me. Like, why are you still here if you're having all these issues? I don't know if I can trust him. And so she was going into this state of panic that none of us knew about. And so one of the days that I left to fly back to my kids, she confided in Ben, which I totally get that I had shared the secret. And so what happened was he called together the community to put me on trial like is this girl a service to self entity is she a spy has she come in to like bring down our our operation to save the world essentially so i was called out for it and put on trial and i'm like shaking right now because like that was so scary for me especially because i loved these people so much and that was like the furthest thing from my intention but my body was so confused because it was scared. It had to be expressed some way, essentially. They had this interrogation session where they like really needed to assess out whether I was a service to self entity. And I ended up having a call with this girl to sort of get on the same page and like apologize to her that I had caused her this pain and all this confusion. And what I didn't know at the time was that they had asked her to record the conversation to see if, I was going to sneak in anything sneaky in there, and I didn't know. So at the end of our call, I was like, "Like, I'm so glad this is resolved. Do you mind if I share what we talked about with the group?" And she was like, "Oh, I already recorded it." <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" That to me just felt like one of the most violating things for someone to do. So that was like, I think the beginning. I was so ashamed of myself that that wasn't enough to tip me over. Like I still thought I was in the wrong, and I was like, "Okay, that's just my karma." for having shared the secret that I shouldn't have shared.
1: You said service to self entity. Yeah. Can you explain what that is?
2: In the law of one, which is basically the book that everyone draws from in that community, there's service to others where you're, it's what it says it is. You're in service to others with service to self. You're like 95 plus percent service to yourself. So you're essentially an evil entity who wants to control others, who wants to stop love and growth and all of that sort of thing
1: so he's describing himself
2: (laughs) well right exactly so convenient to any that it's just basically saying you're selfish right
0: if you're not doing what the leader wants
2: it's seen as such a dangerous thing like because they're doing all this light work there's going to be a lot of service to self entities that want to bring that down because they're like no
3: yeah so just to give you background there's essentially law of one is a channeled book from higher dimensional beings that is basically like their bible and there's two paths service to others and service to self and it's kind of the positive and negative polarity and if you're a service to self entity essentially your your goal is to willingly enslave other people but through their own free will so if i'm a service to self entity my goal is to make you want to willingly give over your power to me and if you're service to others it's kind of like your positive radiant and Helping others and there's no sense of hierarchy, et cetera. So
1: it's our equivalent to suppressives, like Scientology, yeah. suppressives, we use that term a little bit. Yeah.
0: And being prideful. Right. Like there's there's positive pride and negative pride.
1: So similar process, different different language. Yeah.
0: But did anyone ever go like, how do we know that bento box isn't service to self-entity?
2: Well, Keelan actually has a funny story about that. Because you, you asked that question or you were like, oh, you asked the question in general, like what would happen if a service to self entity wanted to get stuff done and it just hired a bunch of service to others people.
3: So there was this moment when we were in Egypt, he was talking about service to others and service to self entities. And he's not only talking about the breakdown of humans, but these things live in the spirit realm. So like if you have a weakness and you want to manipulate people, essentially these service to self entities will work through you like you're possessed which is what they try to convince you that you are when you're going against Bentinio ben, or the group or anything. Mm. So he's kind of breaking down the dynamics of them. And I'm thinking like, how can we get them to work in harmony? Like, okay, we're, we live in an infinite universe, like there's good and bad, but how can they work in harmony? And I asked Bentinio. I said, so what if we took like a service to self entity and put him at the center of an organization that was actually trying to help the planet? And but we had a bunch of service to other entities working for him, but they all helped him and they helped each other achieve the goal of like enlightening the planet or like helping the earth. And he kind of laughed and he's like, That's what we're doing. And I kind of like laughed a little bit, like laughed it off. But
0: so he told you.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, he was calling himself out. Right. Wow. That's so wild. Hmm. So he knew. He knows. I have a little message really quick that I found. He was saying that I had an entity tag. And so he's he's writing in this chat. And so he's like, Ari's like, Okay, I got this. And then he's like, performance. When this happens, I can literally feel fire or streams of heat exiting my body at different places, like I'm fuming, and I'm overwhelmed almost with frustration type of energy, which is the excess heat translated into emotion. I've got it under control at the moment. It came on very suddenly. It seems that over the years, as I've gotten more keen to catch these attacks, strategies sooner, they have to heat it up in a short open window and go ham. So it's fast and intense when it does strike. And then he just says, I don't mean to project onto you or expect anything except that which is reasonable given what you have declared you are all about in relationship to me. So I, you know, just to put that in there, that's kind of how he would describe these attacks. And everyone was just like, oh, my God, they're getting it to the med- middle core. And then you hyper, hyperventilating of, oh, my God, I let this happen. I'm insecure. Or I had some, some drop in, in protection and I've, you know, just betrayed the leader.
0: He really screwed with your emotions. I mean, to put it lightly, like it's, it's a, that's a lot to unwrap. unravel as you leave we'll get more to that in the healing section but like that's feeling certain emotions and frustration and like just it's just so wild how clearly he put in in what we now know what we call in cult recovery a a self-sealing system anything that goes against what he wants he can say it's an attack of a self-serving entity like it's so
4: convenient
1: also another thing is it makes your emotions bad
0: yeah
4: yeah. You have to agree that everything that he says is the highest. So it doesn't matter. You are constantly in this, this like battle with yourself because every single thing that your intuition or your heart says, it gets fried.
3: I do want to say something. Another part on that really quick is that when you're catching on to these things and you're feeling frustrated or angry at Bentinho, like not only is there this self-sealing system he has where it's, you're even maybe convinced yourself that you're having a negative psychic attack from some type of entity. But yeah, so essentially it puts you in a corner where if you have these pent up frustrations and emotions, it's like the, then you can play the spiritual game of, well, wouldn't it feel better to let it go and surrender and like give it back to God? So then you like and like at that point, fuck. Like you have no emotional support. You have nothing left to do. So you might just want to like relax and like try to let it go. But it's this it's like this fake game of spiritual growth when really you're just bypassing everything you're feeling inside.
4: Yeah.
0: Did people get sick in your in your community? I'm just curious.
4: Yeah. I was just going to say that there was a lot of people that would go into these crates, like one of the women would wake up and she'd be like, I just have lines roaring in my ear all night. And I just feel like this power and just, oh." and she'd make these noises. And it was just like, it was like their soul would leap up at, at some point, like gather enough courage and try and beat down the door of their heart. And then they'd be like, "Bentini would come back and he'd say like, that's cultish, Ari. Like that doesn't sound right. And like each person would have their process where their body would just rear up. There's a lot of constipation and I don't know, those kinds of issues where you're just holding, holding, gripping.
1: That's what narcissists do. They keep the people in, around them in conflict.
4: And also
0: providing the apparent path out of the conflict, which keeps the dependency.
2: Yeah, I definitely had moments. I had a couple moments of like crazy intense screaming, of just, yeah, explosive screaming. And the thing that also keeps you stuck is that. He says that your pain is what's going to finally wake you up. Like mm-hmm. you're not becoming enlightened because you haven't suffered enough yet. So then you almost think, like, he's doing this to me so that I'll wake up. You almost trick yourself into thinking that this is for your own good.
0: It's a huge head fuck. Do you remember, yeah. Nippy? We talked about that yeah, with us. Of how, like, yeah. I got. Yeah. I got in trouble for like, or we all would get in trouble for too much in the head, like too much in the penthouse was to feel things, to process, right? And then it started, as soon as I start to feel things, I got in trouble for suffering too much. And why would you suffer when you can choose joy? I'm like, but if I don't fit into that, then how am I going to evolve these things? Like I was just, I couldn't, you can't get it right.
1: There's nothing to get. That's the whole yeah. word salad thing. Even when he gets up there, there's nothing to get. He just has you believing that there's nothing to get, that there's something to get. There's nothing to get. All
0: of these things are built on a fucking myth. You don't even need this shit. You don't need any of it.
4: We never needed it in the first place. There's nothing wrong with us, right? I became a worse person when I was there. Like I became a more convoluted person. Did not make me happier.
2: Well,
1: the the process is age old as well. You know, you have one person claiming to have the truth. I mean, we just did something on Mormonism.
2: It's the same thing.
1: That's the craziest story around and people just give it a hall pass socially and, you know.
2: Ben had told me that if I want to stay in this community, I have to like keep that under wraps somehow. And so he told me the only person I was allowed to share anything with if I was having concerns was Corey, was the other woman that he was in relationship with because she would be able to either defuse me or to be able to hold whatever I was sharing and not take it in the inappropriate way. So I was immediately then cut off Like I had this rule now, you're only allowed to share with this one person. So the next thing was because of this or because of the multiple weights that were on his shoulders, he frequently goes into these periods of wanting to dissolve into the absolute, like reach full enlightenment where he's no longer in his person anymore. And so he was planning to actually do this. And so he got a group of people together and invited who he said to be his closest, most trusted people in his lives to support him for this journey. And ask for their support, and what I realized when I was in that group was these weren't the people that he trusted or liked the most. These were the wealthiest women he knew in his community, and his two girlfriends and he then went on to like explain what he needed for this this dissolving into the absolute, so he needed to have like a certain estate, a certain amount of money for this estate in Mexico, and he needed a certain amount of provisions and a clothing wardrobe and what's he going to wear. And then he went on to list all of the negative things about all of us in the group, like Jacqueline, you're annoying and boring and blah, blah, blah. If you can fix these distortions, then you can come with me and, and support me on this monumental journey. And he did that for everyone in the group.
0: You're annoying and boring?
2: oh yeah that that i'm I'm annoying and boring. I'm annoying for his nervous system because I don't own my power. That was the big thing with him. I was never owning my power I was never owning my desires, so that was hard on him and I don't even know what he wanted my desires to be at that point because eventually I go on to tell him what my desire is, and it's a bad it's a bad thing, obviously.
0: I just want to punch him so. So many times I've wanted to punch him, but I just want to let you know that in particular chaps my ass that he called you those things because you're so not any of those things. Thank you. (laughs) It must have been very confusing to hear that.
2: It wasn't confusing at the time because you're so used to it and he does it to everyone in the group and you're all kind of trauma bonded together. Like you've all been so ashamed. You've all been so shamed in the group publicly that like you're kind of like, yes, like this is our this is our high altitude training. So he's saying all these shitty things about everyone in the group. And what I realized is that he said the least shitty thing to the person that he thought he could get the most money out of. This is my reading of it. So he's like that person, there was still like a lot of positive things he had to say about that person. And she ended up funding most of that of that trip, essentially. He did not dissolve into the absolute on that trip, just so everyone knows he's still here.
3: He didn't.
4: What does that mean?
3: He didn't. It goes beyond creation, Sarah.
4: It didn't take him. It wouldn't take him. He tried. It said no. This is sort of the last part of my
2: story. This was actually the last night that I was ever in contact with this group. And I was, it was the night before I was about to go back to to my home to be with my kids. And what Ben does is every now and then he, he dangles the fish in front of you. And he'll say something like, you know, you're so wonderful. Maybe you are the one. Maybe you are the one. And we'll be on an island together growing old. And so this night before I left, I had apparently done all these things right. And he wanted to spend the night together. What an honor. But he always stays up really late. And my flight was quite early. And so we ended up watching a movie until like four in the morning and I fell asleep. And so I said, I was going up to my room and I sent him a text and said, okay, if you still want to spend the night together, let me know. And he was like, your energy was disgusting. And you fell asleep and you were just so low vibe and you're not owning your energy. And <laughs> at that point, I was just so tired. I was like, okay, cool, get it. So the next morning he came to say goodbye to me. He's no longer driving me to the airport anymore now he, someone else was going to drive me to the airport and we were saying goodbye. And he kept saying like, you're not owning your desires. Like it's just so damp. You're not owning what you want. What do you want? What do you want? And I was crying and I was like, I don't know what I want. And I felt scared. I honestly, my whole body just felt terrified. And finally I was like, I want to go home. Like I want to be with my kids. I want to be home. And he's like, why do you want to be at home? I was like, cause it's safe. (laughs) And I miss my family. And he was like shaming me, basically shaming me for running away, essentially. And he got up and left and basically said, enjoy your life. And when I landed in Toronto, he had left a message in the monastery group chat, which I was still a part of, where he explained that while he was saying goodbye to me, a negative entity through my own distortion had come through me and attacked his heart. And that It was trying to kill him, essentially. I I still don't take that as a red flag at the time. I'm still like, oh my God, I've hurt someone. I'm responsible for me and my weaknesses are responsible for hurting someone that I care about. And there was just so much shame coming at me. And he's like, I never want to see you again unless you change. And he gave me all of these conditions. He's like, if you want to stay part of this community and see me again, this has to shift now. And he's like, and you have to start by admitting every single thing you've ever lied about, every person that you've had a negative thought about in the community, you have to lay it all out on the table. And so in my honest attempt to be as transparent as possible, I literally listed to the group, sometimes I roll my eyes when this person talks. I like when this person likes me. I don't like when people know this about me. It was like such, when I think about it now, honest human things. And a therapist that I later went to was like, "Those are your inner dialogues. Nobody needs to hear those thoughts, but you." But what he said afterwards words was, "Beautiful, thanks for sharing. But oh my God, humans are disgusting. The fact that you have these petty little thoughts going on in your head, this makes me want to dissolve into the absolute even more. So at this point, my nervous system was completely wrecked. Like I was at the point where I was like, "If I don't get this, I'm going to die." Like there was, those were two, my two options. I'm either going to get it or I'm going to die because I'm in such emotional pain. And I realized I was like unable to even give love to my kids because I felt so awful in who I was. And I felt so ashamed of who I was. And I remember like having these moments of rebellion where I'd reach out to my two closest friends there and be like, what the fuck? This isn't loving. This isn't love. Look at who, like, look at who I am right now. This is, this is not productive not loving. It's not getting me anywhere. The two responses I got were you're having a, an STS attack. Sounds like you've got an entity in your ear. And the other one was, this is your sneaky, slimy little ego trying to avoid enlightenment. This resistance you're feeling you're, you're so smart, Jacqueline, you're smarter than all of us. That's why you've created this as your reflection to prevent your ego from dying essentially. And so they had given me this book, Michael Langford book about like eternal bliss, the direct means to eternal bliss. And in that book, it talks about that, how when you're going for enlightenment, your ego is going to pull every trick in the book to avoid its death. So it will want to blame everyone else. It will want to take away like all the blame and put it onto anything but yourself, and so I was basically just like continuously gaslighting myself in this mm-hmm. this thing. And, and eventually, what happened was I had I was in such discomfort I had a pop out experience where I don't know if it was an enlightenment experience or just a dissociation. <laughs> Another therapist, that same therapist, went on to tell me like people have enlightenment experiences in concentration camps. Like this is not something he gave you. This was you know you were in a lot of trauma. And this was the result of that. And so that lasted for three days. But what was interesting was that I was in such a state of peace and bliss, but my thoughts were like, everything you need is right here. Your kids, your family, like you never need to see this person again. Like that's what it was telling me. And so eventually that state ended and I went right back into the pain again. And I was in bed and my kids would come to me and say like, mom, like, are you going to get up? And I'd be like, no, sweetie, I can't like, and I realized Holy shit. These children used to be my world. Like I would do anything for these babies and now mm-hmm. I can't take care of them. And I realized I'm either going to have to stop, like leave this community and check myself into like psychiatric help because I am going to need to take care of them somehow. Death wasn't an option, unfortunately, because I was so brainwashed into thinking I was going to have to like repeat the cycles and love one stuff. I felt no out, essentially. And then so synchronistically in my feed, an advertisement for The Vow popped up and I had no idea what The Vow was, but I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And that was what did it for me. The first episode before it even got into any of the negative shit about Keith or the community, all it was, was like the the propaganda video for Nexium, And I was like, oh shit, this is a template. This is this is yeah. going on everywhere. I'm not part of anything special. This is like wow. a group that's happening everywhere. And as I went more into it and saw Keith's personality, I was like, oh my God. Yes, Ben hasn't reached the level that Keith yeah. has yet in terms of the things he was doing, but it's the exact same. The way that people talk to him, the way that people look at him, the way he responds. And that for me was the deal breaker. So what I decided to do <laughs> was share my story with my mom and Sam uh, the father of my kids and that was how i got out having someone hold me accountable because i was going i kept wow. going back and forth between like well what if i'm wrong and i'm making a mistake and they'd have to be like no sweetie <laughs> like Ned. keep focus it like it took months for me to not keep going back and forth wow At, when i saw the vow i realized i needed to separate myself and i was working full time for this company so i had to separate and obviously when you're so close it's really confusing for them if you're like, I'm doing my own thing now, which I tried to do. And they probed me. And finally, I confided like, you know what? I just I don't resonate with Ben anymore. I don't I don't trust him. I think I'm being manipulated. That didn't go over well. And he reached out to me first, like, oh, sweetie, where are you going? Sorry, I haven't messaged you in a while. And I just didn't respond in my normal way. So then he tries another message, which is like angry, like, what the fuck? Where are you going? And all of this time we've shared together still no response and i realized like he's trying to access me Mm -hmm. in all these different ways to keep me here like first i realized that he's telling me he never wants to see me again because i make his life so miserable but now he now i can't leave like every all the inconsistencies just made sense and like you said the shelf fell at that point wow
1: you should send them all a link to the vow
2: yeah, I, I wondered about that. Um, but I also wonder if they'll look at the extremity of what Keith has done and be like, how can they compare them? Keith did these really extreme things. You can't compare that to Ben.
1: He's probably doing those things behind, well, he is doing those things behind He's closed doors.
2: It. Right. Right.
0: tell our stories. We change the world. A Little Bit culty is proud to support the hashtag I Got Out project, which empowers survivors of cultic abuse to share their stories online as a catalyst for education, prevention, and healing. Learn more about the hashtag I Got Out movement and find resources at igotout.org. Did anyone learn a language in high school and then let it go and then have regrets about that later? If you're anything like me, then maybe you'll relate. I did French all the way up into 12th grade and then I let it go. I mean, I lived in Montreal for a few years and, you know, practiced a bit, but it just slipped away. And then I found Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy little bite-sized language lessons, I've been able to get back my French. I've actually found learning French to be fun again. And c'est vrai, je parle français. (laughs) With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson, so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Formidable. That means wonderful in French. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Clearly still working on that. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code CALTI. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code culty. Our team at A Little Bit Culty Podcasts loves the Blood Ties podcast because it is gritty and current and fascinating. It's also a little bit culty. Blood Ties, the award winning audio drama from Wondery, returns for its third season, Strange Days, with another thrilling story about greed, power, and deception. Five years have passed since Eleanor, played by Julian Jacobs of Community, took over as CEO of the infamous Richland Family Empire, alongside her half brother, Santino, played by Christian Navarro of 13 Reasons Why. Together, they decide to invest the family fortune in a groundbreaking, controversial new drug. But as shocking revelations about the new treatment emerge, Eleanor and Santino go to every length to protect their control of the Richland family dynasty. As Eleanor's father always said, medicine is a bloody business listen to blood ties season three strange days on apple podcasts amazon music spotify or you can binge the whole series now early and ad free by joining wendry plus in the wendry app
1: you know one distinction i noticed between keith and and this guy bento got mean in front of people keith did the mean thing in a soft Mm -hmm. tone and said, You might want to think about how your effects on blah, 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 blah. So, like, it didn't have an abrasive kind of.
0: It's still cut, though.
1: Vitriol to it. It did still cut, but yeah. it was easier for people, I think, to internalize us, around him that he wasn't doing anything mean, because you could never call him mean. You can call it Bento mean, it sounds like. Most people would nod.
2: Mm-hmm. But he would say that's not him. That's that's just him of course. reflecting what needs to be seen in the moment.
1: He's, he's <laughs> so resting he in awareness. He's resting yeah. in awareness. Yeah.
2: Okay. So just very quickly about the money thing. So that was keeping me tied a little bit because I knew that I had so much money invested in there. And I also didn't want to rock the boat with that. And so I said, like, I trust that you'll pay me back, all of that stuff. And his response to me was that money was a gift. And it was a gift to our relationship. And granted, it didn't work out like we thought, this was the exchange for me having to deal with all of your emotions and your suppressions and your lies and your deviations and and i realized that like i was not talking to a rational person at that point and so i was just just like okay and he said i will pay you back but on my own timeline and it will be your karma is what he said that paying me back will be my karma and so they did start paying me back a very small amount of money a month which would have taken i think 25 years to be paid back So somewhat recently I reached out and and said, like, look, this is gonna take forever. And they offered me a fifth of the money I had given in exchange for dropping the expectation that I would get that money back. And for me, the freedom of not being connected to that group anymore was worth that. Mm -hmm. So that to me was incredibly healing, that aspect of it. But that didn't come first. That only came recently. The biggest things were. First reaching out to Sarah and Sarah was. So generous with her time and gave me an incredible amount of resources. And that was so helpful. I got to read Traumatic Narcissism by Dan Shaw and really understand the psychology behind everything. I was like, I could have a psychology degree. <laughs> no, that was really helpful. Reconnecting with my friends and my family and realizing how much I just love people. Because when you're in the group, you you become so judgmental and critical of everyone. You're you're mm-hmm. looking for their distortion, you're looking for what's wrong with them. And so when you get out, you realize like we're all human oh my gosh everyone's got gifts everyone's got weaknesses but just to like really appreciate people again that was so healing and then finally like this group and laughter oh my god comedy has been such a gift in our group and the memes we've created and just like we've had so many moments of just hysterical laughter yes that has been my healing
0: i'm so glad it seems like you're doing wonderfully <laughs> yes thank you And i'm so glad that you reached out and watched the vow how serendipitous and I do hope that people listen and this helps wake them up. And also, it might not. It might not until they have their own shelf breaking, which is what's so hard is that Bento has really created a system where people can't hear these things for truth because of the way he's indoctrinated people. So it might take some time. You have to remember that and Dan Shaw taught me this, is that they really are still, that indoctrination is like a sickness you know, they're sick until they until they wake up for themselves. And we can try. This is, this is an attempt to try.
4: I just want to say if anyone from that circle is listening, it eats my entire stomach just to think that they would listen to any of these stories and think that we're out here trying to ruin someone's life for fun. Like these are really terrible and hard things to say. And all of us are breaking NDAs and risking everything so that maybe someone in that group can actually hear and feel with their heart.
0: Thank you for not hiding from it and for facing it. And sharing it so that we can learn from it so thank you keelan you want to go next
3: (laughs) yeah i had a falling out with the group the first time but i had no one to validate my own experience with i had no one to unpack everything with so i i kind of left with my own feeling about what happened but never really talked to anyone about it and ended up approaching bentino about a year later and got everything off my chest and he seemed to own up to it and be like no i see where you're coming from and mainly it had to do with his toxic relationship and ways he was handling the business that I didn't agree with and things like that. So we ended up clicking together down the road again. Bentino's very good, especially with me of kind of maintaining, you could call it like a bro type friendship where he would kind of mind his boundaries with me, but every once in a while, make a subtle dig to once he had my trust, I'd kind of let him in the door and take a reflection or some feedback from him. But at the end of that, I would just be placed on like a lower pedestal than him. And he he seemed to like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But what started to wake me up was once the high kind of wore off of like traveling to these beautiful places and my, you know, I could kind of start to see clearly, I started waking up feeling less and less inspired, I would say. And like asking myself, like, am I happy here? Like doing what I'm doing? And, you know, my mind might come in and say like, well, dude, you're traveling, you're doing like good things for the planet. But I'm like, no, like really, am I happy? And that voice started to kind of turn up and get louder. And I felt like the group's energy was really uninspiring. I started hanging out with mm-hmm. Jade and me and her were kind of like the creative, like artists mm-hmm. of the group. We'd, we'd sit in their boring ass <laughs> team meetings <laughs> and listen to their ideas about whatever they wanted to work on. And me and Jade would plug in with all these creative ideas for videos and like come up with cool stuff. So we were kind of like the heart in a way. And the more I started hanging out with Jade, the more I could experience the dissonance of like what love was versus what love isn't. It was a general kind of increase of like the shelf getting heavier and heavier of like me feeling uninspired, me stepping away from the group a little bit and realizing and stepping back in and being like, dude, I don't something feels off here. And on top of that, Bentino started getting weird with me. He'd be with, you know, his new girlfriend and and Corey and Jade was there at the time. And I'd say something to him, like you could say as a friend, and he'd he'd kind of turn to me and be like, what, sweetheart? So like making subtle digs where I'm like, what the fuck is up with you? And then there was this weird moment where it was just me and him alone and we're working on this website and I'm trying to figure out something with him. We're sitting side by side. I'm, he's, he's to my left and we're sitting on this couch together. And, uh, and I'm like, how do we like, get unlock this fool in the, in the blog or something? And he like turns to me, almost my ear, and he's like, what, sweetie? And it was like, shivers went down my fucking spine. Basically, I got creeped the fuck out. It, felt like a, it literally felt like a sexual dominance thing where he wanted to like, like pen me or something. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? So I like basically packed up my laptop, played it cool uh, for the moment and went back to my area of the compound we were staying at. And, um, and, you know, by then he had found out that me and Jade had been hanging out a lot and Jade being someone that he was previously interested in and was somewhat dating, you could say on, on uh, his terms that he he didn't like that, so he messaged the group, the entire group, and this is something that they do a lot: is this group shaming? They call it fourth density consciousness. It's like there's no secrets; everything needs to be on the table. So, you know, of course, everyone but Bentinho shares. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, Keelan, were you hiding from me the fact that you and Jade have been together? You know, something feels off. You guys have been forming a bubble, you kind of thing." He's like, so he called it a meeting. I'm sorry, let's back up for a second. So, so I'm feeling off after he says after he says that to me. And me and Jade had been hanging out and he he found out about it. And so he called, yeah, so he called the team meeting for a couple hours from now. But in the meantime, he sent Corey, who's his like right-hand accomplice woman to come check on us. And this was a big moment for me because Corey comes in like your friend and she'll want to be like, what's up? What's going on? Like, you know, pour your heart out for me. And she, she has this really millennial kind of cool girl vibe to her where she's like, you know, what's up? Like, let's talk, like, let's chat. And it's like, a fucking devil in a red dress, dude. Because she'll come in like your friend to get the intel. And as soon as she gets it from you, she'll just run back to Bentinho and tell him everything. And in the name of doing what's right with integrity in her eyes. But anyways, I had this moment where I'm like, listen, Corey, like this is off. bentino has been saying this to me. Um, this, this whole thing is starting to feel really off to me. And she goes, Keelan, but what if Bentino is actually the next Jesus? And... I experienced so much cognitive dissonance in that moment because I was like, it actually woke me up where I'm like, holy fuck, like this is real to you guys. Like, you know, y- you guys actually think this. It's one thing to think, you know, for me, I was, my, my problem was I was playing it too cool. I was like, yeah, they think Bentino's you know, maybe onto something, but no, they like, it's like blood in their blood knowledge that they think this guy is actually more enlightened than Jesus Christ. And I'm like, so I went fucking, I was for three or four hours, I was like paralyzed. I couldn't even move. I was like, and I had my nervous system shut down because I was like, where am I? Um, like, I need to get out of here kind of thing. And Jade, thankfully, was a voice of reason at this time, because if I didn't have her to validate my experience with, like, I don't know what I would have done. And that's what's so crazy is how they isolate people within this community and iron out their distortions one by one. But they hate when people get together and start forming their own opinion about things. And they demonize that aspect of you. So then you end up being scared of other people that might start to be making sense. But thankfully I had Jade to kind of run back these ideas with and she's like, no, dude, they are crazy. Like this whole Jesus thing is way off. And like, you're not you're not tripping basically. It
1: seems like you saw a more extreme version of yourself because when you're in an atmosphere like that, the extremities are where it's always weird. I, I know for me to relate to what you're saying, I never really believed people thought Keith or whatever was on the pedestal that they have put him on I thought there was a bit of a okay this is a good movement but he's not the end all does that, does that make sense
3: yeah. yeah yeah totally totally but I mean I've always been kind of vocal with Bencino in regards to certain things and for me it was never about him I'm like dude let's do this company let's do this you know vision with all these cool projects and help the world like you'll be an aspect of it but so that was when it became very real for me and I'm like holy shit And it was little things like I told Ben, I told the group that I was thinking about going home to stay with my family and Bentino messaged the group and he said, Keelan, you realize that's an escape, right? And I'm thinking, hold the fuck up. First of all, why do you have to use the word escape? And second of all, like, boy, I can't go see my family. We went to that meeting later that night and I told him like everything. I'm like, dude, you know, this is off. You called me sweetie, sweetheart. And something he started doing was like, what? I did that? Like, dude, bro, like. So yeah, I started telling him like this is this is felt off. Like you're not the way your company's structured, the way you were you've been talking to me recently. And he kind of played this card of, what, dude? Like, what? No, like I don't remember that. Like, no, like kind of like underplaying everything and still trying to be buddy with me. I'm like, look, dude, like I don't feel like you want to be doing any of this. And I'm over here trying to create content for you and support your your company. And I you don't want it, you don't care. You literally don't care about it. And he's like, You're right. Like nothing is real to me. You know, I see through all of this as an illusion. And he kept pointing out to me, like, while we're talking, he's like, by the way, I can see you have a bubble around your head as we're talking and you think you're a person and it feels like you want to be held by your mommy and like all these like sick fucking like things while you're trying to like burst through and form your opinion of the, the situation. He's like berating you and kind of like digging at you. So you like have to fight through to find your fucking truth. It's insane. But I told him and I'm like, look, you say to follow people that you want to be like, and I don't want to be anything like you. You know, there might be certain aspects of your character I I might like, but I don't want to be like you. And he kind of like pretended to take it to heart and was like, okay, like, yeah, like, thanks. And I'm like, and I was like, and by the way, there's this underlying pessimistic undertone under everything you're saying. Like, it's like, you don't believe in humanity. You, You Within your teachings, telling people about how they can get to the absolute, you're insisting that they'll never get there because they never are capable. You don't like what you're doing, and at the end of the conversation, he kind of pointed it out. Was like, "Thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me in on that. I see where you're coming from." I'd, I'd have these moments where I'd kind of blow up on him, and he'd and because I'd come, I'd come to some distortions about things, aka the truth, and he'd realize I might be too much to handle. So let me let me pass. Let me let me you know stroke Keelan down and like pat him on the head a little bit. But anyways, I booked a flight out of there for the next day. And in front of the group, he's like, by the way, Keelan, you backing out is going to cost us 10 to 30 grand. You promised to do these video projects for us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, honestly, the way your company is set up is ridiculous. You're not paying anybody. So I can leave here not feeling bad about the fact that you're going to be losing that money to begin with. And the way you're talking to your employees is ridiculous. And of course, the entire group hit me back saying that I was demonically possessed, that I had a service of self entity that was attacking my thoughts that I was projecting onto Bentinho and that I should calm down. And Bentinho sending me gifs of like the exorcism, like the exorcist and like all these fucked up things. Like while the whole, literally the entire group is telling me I'm a demonic entity that's projecting my own shit onto him. So I left, yeah, I was on the plane and I told Jade, I'm like, yo, that was really messed up. And that was the beginning of my healing process was finding others that had been through something similar and in the exact same situation actually as I had been through talking to them about everything was just like so fucking nurturing because you're like, dude, you've, you've fought my battle. You like, you wear my scars and you can kind of start to unpack everything. So that has been extremely healing. Learning about like narcissists and sociopaths and psychopaths and their psychology has helped me. And also like at the same time, just trying to live life simply like in such a high intensity environment where you're claiming your mission is to enlighten the world. Like you forget how to spend time with your family and like actually enjoy yourself without being, so tense there's an art to living simply that is actually extremely underappreciated maybe perhaps the key to everything is just like it's just a a slow process it's learning how to just be okay i'm still still healing it's like a tower collapses and you're kind of searched like like rummaging through the the rubble and the wreckage of it and looking around and like trying to find yourself Mm -hmm. and i feel like i've just rebuilt the frame to like my car, so to speak, that was completely totaled. So, you know, working on the engines next, but <laughs> yeah, it's a process.
0: That's awesome. Caitlin. I th- Those are great metaphors that I think a lot of people can relate to as well. And you shared some really good nuggets. I think for people who are listening, who might be in a similar situation, I could not agree more like the simplicity of living without having to fix the world. <laughs> That's a really big shift. And then once you're, once you got that frame, and this is for all of you, I think, and Nippy and I are still in this process, is like, then you can maybe look at, okay, what was good and where did it come from originally? <laughs> if you want to, like those truths from the universe, you know, that's a lot of these things are just appropriated from Buddhism or just or that. fortune truth. cookies. yeah, it's yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah.
4: damn fortune yeah, cookies.
0: Wherever you find it, and then you don't have to like be in a cult to use the tool or feel like it's connected to bento box in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, down the road, one thing at a time. Yes. I feel like we're running like a group therapy session. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Thank
0: you for sharing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I see you. And Jade.
0: I, well, you know what? I just did a little sidebar. Like, I, I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility with, you know, holding this space for for you all, like Nippy and I do. And I recognize this is like, you know, it's this is tra- traumatic things that you're sharing. And I really want to be clear that, like, A, it takes courage, like I said, but B, we're not therapists we're not trained professionals. And, you know, while we've learned a lot, and we've spoken to a lot of professionals, you know, the therapist will take you on the next journey, <laughs> next part of the journey. And sidebar that we are working to figure out a foundation. Right now we have support and funds for people who are in Nexium, but I'd like to expand that to, to other groups because I think that is a main problem what people get out and they don't have access to funds. So- That's part of what I'm fired up about, you know, how we move forward here
1: as a group. Also, they're in no position to hold anyone accountable. The similarities between what you guys are doing and what Mark, Bonnie and I did, you got together and you have each other you, know, you establish the pattern of abuse once you shine that light hopefully on people that are still in they'll see it and it will be undeniable to them
0: until then i think what we can also do is i've looked at a bunch of my friends online follow him i don't think they go to his groups or anything but they probably just like say oh cool that's a nice picture of a sunset and a man meditating and they follow him so i'm gonna be like eh. in, a, in a
1: roomy quote a roomy
0: quote like alert alert unfollow <laughs> hey there hope you're enjoying the episode quick reminder to follow us on Instagram. You can also share your favorite episodes with friends who may or may not be in a cult and also reach out to us to let us know who you would love to hear as a guest. And now a word from our sponsors. Our team at a little bit culty podcasts loves the blood ties podcast because it is gritty and current and fascinating. It's also a little bit culty. Blood Ties, the award-winning audio drama from Wondery, returns for its third season, Strange Days, with another thrilling story about greed, power, and deception. Five years have passed since Eleanor, played by Jillian Jacobs of Community, took over as CEO of the infamous Richland Family Empire, alongside her half-brother Santino, played by Christian Navarro of 13 Reasons Why. Together, they decide to invest the family fortune in a groundbreaking, controversial new drug. But as shocking revelations about the new treatment emerge, Eleanor and Santino go to every length to protect their control of the Richland family dynasty. As Eleanor's father always said, medicine is a bloody business. Listen to Blood Ties, Season 3, Strange Days, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or you can binge the whole series now, early and ad-free, by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.
4: Jade, you are up. Okay, thank you guys also. I know that this is I like I said, I can't even fathom holding space for people after you have gone through this. Um so thank you. We really appreciate everything that you guys have done for us. You're welcome. So the teachings like I've never really resonated with anything that he said. So those kinds of times, I, I would actually fall asleep when he'd give his sessions or he'd, you know, we a couple of times a week, he'd get the microphone and have these cameras and have people ask for a distortion reading or questions. And then he would go into this rant and he would get so mad at me because I would just fall asleep and go out when that started to wear off. And he found another girl during his retreat, as the same time he was starting to change from love bombing me to like, oh, you're a piece of shit, yelling at me. And like me, I, I went from, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. I agreed to teach for free at his retreat. I was honored. I was excited. And part of this is that I told so many people from my following that I swore by him. And I said he was lovely and amazing. Like they should come to Costa Rica because I was teaching. So a lot of people who had never, you know, gotten to, to take my class just took a whim and came out there, and actually, one of them now is has taken my place, essentially, and God knows what's happening that, at this point. So, as he transitioned out of love with me, or whatever you want to call it, to this other girl, I was traveling still with the what we called the harem. He always like, oh my harem, so it was just me, Corey, and Paula, and him in Costa Rica, and I'm so isolated because. Corey and Paola really got along, and I was more of like a hard type. Like, hey, I'm in. I just wanted to love everyone, and every time I did that, it would just be like a distortion, or you're trying to manipulate. So I started being more and more isolated. We had this beautiful house that we rented, just the four of us. There was this one morning where, I don't know, Corey would just wake up one time and look at me like I have a piece of shit on her her shoe and have this really hard issue with me. And I would just stay out of her hair. At that point, I would just like go outside or stay in my room and be quiet. So we had to go get this car in town and you got in trouble. Like, I can't even explain to you what it felt like. But if you didn't follow him around, if you didn't go with him to all his appointments or you skipped out on lunch or whatever he wanted to do, you, you were going to pay for that later. But there was one morning when I just felt so isolated. I was so depressed. I was gone. I felt like I had lost my friends at home. I had no connection to anyone. And um, again, it was just the couple of us. And I said, you know, I'm actually going to stay back. And he kind of gave me a look. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to stay here. So I actually just put on like a bra and underwear and by myself turned on the song and cranked it in the house and was just flowing back how I used to be. Like I hadn't done yoga in so long at that point. And I think that was enough to like wedge a little bit of a piece of wood in the door, the doorway. So I had like found a light back to myself, just pieces at that point. Ben kept saying like my energy is no longer good enough to be around him like full time like that. And I was getting threats to go. He was going to like, I was going to kick myself out. Right. Cause he never kicks anyone out. It's like your fault if you leave. So I was going to push myself out of this cyclone that they all have in the community for the next round of his retreats. And it was up to me. So when I, again, he went into this whole thing of, I have an STS and I was like bawling on this, on this like porch in Costa Rica. It was like raining and everyone's just looking at me, the Corey and Paula and Ben just telling me what's wrong with me. And I remember thinking, like, because I flowed earlier that day and had this song and just had this little tiny remembrance. I remember thinking, like, I finally have enough confidence to say that I know that what they're saying about me is not true. So I stood my ground for the first time, and Corey went down even harder. It was that same sentence of like, "You don't even know the murky, disgusting water you're sitting in." And I was like, "I promise you, like, I'm," ch-. but I was shaking. I think I talked about this a little bit in part one, but that's when I was like. Looking at Ben, like she's emotionally just throwing daggers at me. And normally that would be a no-no. Like he would have focused on her, but he wouldn't. He was like, well, if your nervous system wasn't hiding something, then you wouldn't be shaking right now. And so it's just like this ping pong of like me knowing kind of on one half, like, no, I think I know what I'm talking about. But then them all ganging up on me. So anyhow by that time I just started to self isolate and when we moved to the next place he decided that I I was good enough to try and give me another chance and I was no longer though good enough to stay with him in his house because I wasn't my energy was too chaotic and all over the place so I started to self isolate for his benefit and he was really grateful. Oh, that's so that's so like generous of you to like take yourself away from me. So I was living closer to Keelan at that point in a different house across the property. That was when my body started throwing up and going crazy. And the next day I was like, look, I need to go home. Like i my body is not okay here. Like something is occurring. And I, I think I referenced this too. Him and Paola had black tar in their in their phlegm. Like everyone was getting sick and feeling weird at that property. And it was like 117 or something every day. There was not really any rooms with air conditioning. We were having this retreat for like... 12 hours a day sitting there listening to him talk and I just I couldn't I was starting to feel sick like the air was leaving my lungs or like the room so I would sit in a in what we called the pit room where there was air conditioning me and Keelan would work on editing videos of Ben or just like creating things but what happened was my heart started to feel something like soft again it was like you lived in a cement walls and all of a sudden you saw a butterfly. And so that connection between us was so sweet. But then I was so afraid of Ben finding out that I even that my heart even like looked in a different direction, even though he was already like, this is the love of my life. This new girl is everything I've ever wanted. So I remember one time I was laying in Keelan's bed. We were just like laying down before dinner and he. Ben kind of like knocked and then burst in and my body just shook and, sh- and like was so afraid. And I, he's like, what are you guys doing here? It was like the first time he ever caught us doing something, which we were just talking. But then I jumped up and I went and cl- like cleaned the kitchen and Keelan's like, are you okay? And I realized like how afraid I was of Ben finding out that Keelan and I had sat together in a room, but I at the same time was having such terrible night terrors every night that I was begging Keelan, like, can I just lay in your bed? Like, can I just sleep with you? I just need someone to be here with me because I would just wake up like choking and it was so bad. But at that point, I started to see some different holes in. And the biggest thing I think before that was Ben sent a text one night. He was up all night in the middle of the night, and I, I was starting to like not go to the parties as much. And that was like really frowned upon. I didn't stay up as late. Ben sent a whole text to the group saying like None of you guys are deserving of my words. Some of you have been here ten years, five years, and you haven't changed a single fucking thing. Like, why am I wasting my breath on you, peons? I actually just might as well just leave. Like, why do I even bother with you? If I can't get through to you, you think I'm going to get through to that? Th- Humanity, so he shit on everyone equally, and he's like, "I'm not going to speak until you guys come to me with something impressive, and if you don't, maybe you'll never hear my voice again." So oddly, I it felt so dead there. Like Keelan was saying that I was like excited by this. I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Like we just need a common goal. We we need something that's like inspiring. I'm I'm gonna be this person that's gonna bring this thing. So I went to Keelan and I was like, "What about if we revamped all of his videos?" And Sahad Guru had this. I don't know much about him, but I saw his social media marketing. And he went on and he went to all these people's houses. So say, Sarah, he'd contact you and be like, Hey, get 50 of your closest friends together. I'm going to come in your backyard and give a sermon. You can ask me whatever questions you want. You have an hour of my time. And they filmed it. And this guy went from like, I don't know, hundred K to like a million or something in within a year. And he went on this whole tour over the U S. So I was like, look, I'll bring you to LA. I have so many good friends that, that would love to meet you and, and hear what you have to say. And in front of everyone at the meeting, I proposed this with Keelan, we hold this this whole idea in our heads. He was like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm actually going to call Richard right now. And that was this guy that kind of like put all our blueprints together. And so he started making these moves and my heart was like, holy shit. But I told myself and I told Keelan before, look, if he doesn't go for this, I'm leaving because I need something here. Like my purpose, my life, my like everything is dwindling. I can feel myself turning gray. And getting sicker and sicker, my stomach started hurting. So he t- he was like all on board. So we had a five minute break and he was like, why don't you guys go get this whiteboard from across the, the lawn and we'll come back and we'll like make a whole plan. And so I remember walking with Keelan and I, we were just kind of walking in silence and we looked at each other and I was like, I guess we're going to be here for another year. And he was like, yeah, I guess so. Because we were going to do all the videos and everything. And so we walk back with the board and I kind of felt like a sinking sensation of like, wow, I really thought maybe I would get out. Like I thought I was kind of ready to just leave. And when I came back and we finished the meeting, it was just me, Corey, him, and Keelan. And that's when he said that, like, are you so convinced of your incapabilities that you won't commit to something? And I was like, "What well, the jobs that you're asking me to take on are like property manager. I don't do that. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm an artist. I want to do those kinds of things. He's like, you're non-committal. You're not all in. You say all this, you talk all this big thing and it's not. And then after that, he looked at me and he's like, "Did you actually think that your friends deserve my teachings? Like, did you actually think someone that's not devoted, that has never even heard or tasted or even like struggled or been to India, that they deserve me to travel to them? And what I realize now is, it's a fear of actually having to show up and be what he claims he is. And my friends would sit in front of him, be like, "What is he talking about?" Like my friend Dakota, we always laugh. Like if he was in a room with him, it'd be. We always called Dakota like a wet cat. Like they would just like go at each other because dakota be like what the fuck are you even saying like time is nothing but nothing is time like it just goes in this word salad bullshit so that was the moment where i realized wow i'm suddenly in a pit of snakes with like nails coming out of the side and i need to get out but i need to get out with as little waves as possible i didn't even want keelan because i didn't fully trust him i didn't want keelan to know how bad some part of me knew this was so I just kind of kept being like, at, from that point on though, I had a strategy. And when Ke- when Corey came in my room to talk to me and Keelan and became our best friend, it was really sneaky because she was so, I, I, I was very careful because I knew not to say too much. And Keelan didn't understand that. He was like, no, like, don't you see, he was trying to prove all these things about Ben. And I was like, you can't trust her. So I, I did it slowly. And she made me, it was like, she was making me pull the covers up. When she left, she was like, I see what you're saying, Jade. Like, we need to fix some things in this. Wow. And as soon as she left, she had already typed out a whole thing to Ben and to us. It was like you guys are just disgusting. You you are so convincing that when I step in your bubble, you pull almost pulled me down with you. And so, but but that time when uh, the last thing would be, I went to Ben's house. He called the meeting, and he he was so nice to Keelan. He was so loving and so kind, and like, oh, I see what you're saying. And I'm like saying, or like, he's lying. I could feel it now. Because then it got to me, and he was like. I don't even want you to open your mouth because you've got nothing good to say. You've already decided who we are. You've already made up your mind. Your distortions are too thick. It's not even worth my time. You don't even you can just leave like there's nothing to say. And it like half broke my heart. But I was just like grateful that I could maybe get out with less, less like trauma, less like noise. How much time went by that you were trying to extract yourself? There was like one or two days. Oh, great. Oh, when he, when he finally did that. Yeah, like about two or three, I'd say when that after I after I got out of there, I was like, we need to book our flights like we need to get out of here. So um when <clears throat> when he said that um the last he was just silent at that point like he would just go to dinners and not speak and it was really uncomfortable and then um when Keelan and I were leaving he well he the last night we were there he spent the whole night with me on the couch and he was just like oh my god your hands are so healing now he turned on like I love you again like you're amazing you're so special you really do have an angel soul I started to feel bad for him and I started to feel like, oh my God, what if I'm wrong? Like, I always want to honor both sides. It was so convincing that I went back to Keelan's room that night and I was like, hey, I think I might need to stay. And Keelan was like, oh my God.
3: I literally prayed, I said a fucking prayer to God because <laughs> she was about to like ask these angel cards what she should do.
4: So what what's cool about these cards is that dakota bought them for my birthday and i there was the one thing from home that i brought and they were like a pound these things were so heavy so everywhere i went i just something told me to keep them with me and i put the cards out and there's probably only one card in that deck that would tell me to get out of there and i pulled the one that was called the box and like i literally read it and was shaking i was like word for word this it was like you're in a cage you're locked up like you're held back you need to get free at all costs and so Keenan <laughs> was like
3: I was like, see, we got to get out of here, man. I got to go.
4: But Corey actually looked at me and she was like, you'll be back. Like, I know you're not done. She's like, I've left so many times. And what I've found is nothing compared to what's here. Like, you'll go back to your friends and you'll see that this is the highest form of anything. And then Ben told me, if you come back, you get one, like, you don't get to leave. If you come back, you're all in and i and actually because you and keelan have fucked this up so bad i'm not going to take any more people in I'm, i've i now proved that i can't be safe to add and i took such a big risk on you with your following and everything so i was so afraid when we were at the airport just to be quick about it keelan and i had to leave so he, i was going like international and he was going domestic so we were at opposite ends of the we said bye and then keelan goes on our group chat and he starts hey Ben I just want to say maybe like it was so respectful like maybe you should pay your employees I feel like this would solve a lot of your things and Ben was like went off and I'm sitting there just shaking in this little terminal like please let me leave And then we boarded the plane and the plane had some engine trouble. And I was on that freaking plane on the tarmac for eight hours in Merida, like shaking and praying, like, please just let I thought he was going to come get me. Like the fight between him and Keelan was so volatile. I was texting Keelan, like, please stop. Like I didn't want him to stop, but I just couldn't take it. My nervous system at that point was so fried. So anyways, how am I healing? The truth is I'm I'm not in a lot of ways. And that this is part of this was everyone was saying like wait to come out because you're not healed, you're not good. Thank God we found each other and enough courage to literally step outside of everything that tells you to to keep your mouth shut and that you are not protected if you do this. Because I'm I'm training, I'm trying to do these things, but I was like under the same weight that normally is nothing to me and my I'm just crying. I cry every session. I go and I call Keelan like 7 times a day. I wake up every night every night at about 1am and I'm shaking and I can feel like just adrenaline and tear in my body. And it's just, I don't know if that's ever going to stop. My body is so fucked up. I'm literally like bloated for like a seven month pregnant person. And I just, my friends and my family are tired. It's like, no one is built to, to understand what this is like. And I, I don't know if I'm going to have my friends after this. Like there's a wedge right now between us because I asked for more support, but everyone's going through their own thing. And this is such a heavy, weird, niche thing that i could lose my best friends in the whole world
0: jade someone told nippy and i about like a few months out when we were in we're exactly where you are the night terrors this like you can ask nippy he was he couldn't sleep in the same bed because that every movement would like i would thought we were like under attack remember nippy
1: yes i do remember
0: <laughs> and a friend of ours said i know it's awful right now but in six months from now a year from now every now and then you'll look back and go oh fuck i'm in stuff, just such a better place now i hope
4: so
1: Well, you already are, and because of how prevalent this stuff is and how there's awareness going on right now, you have people who are ahead of you in the process, who have been where you are, who understand what it is that happened, know the requisite empathy and questions to ask you and where you are and take you on the journey because we've seen it, we've gone through it, and we know exactly the mechanisms of it. So a lot of it in reconciling your delusion is you're going to have these moments of, case by case, you know, of what it is, but you lean on your resources and lean on the people that understand, you know, what you've been through and what you're looking at. Thank you. That's my advice. I I rarely give advice because I just don't (laughs) feel comfortable giving advice, but I also feel like this is a lane that, both Sarah and I have been through. It's normal to be where you are, it is. you know, waking up I and mean, that's the hardest one is waking up the sleep thing I found.
0: Just some like tangible physical things you can do. And we've shared some of this in other episodes, but I'll just say it here again, like hot, hot baths with Epsom salts, like every night before you go to bed and you want to sit, sit oh, in that for like 30 minutes, CBD oil. I'm, I mean, I'm again, I'm not like a licensed <laughs> practitioner, but this is what's helped me and grounding foods like hot squash and sweet potatoes and like hot nourishing Fatty, coconut oil, avocado. I know that sounds really crazy, but Bonnie told me that she left before me and she was like, you need to eat foods that are getting grounded back to the earth. Thank you. I wish that I could give you like more support on a daily basis. Like after last week, I was like, oh my God, I can't let these guys go. And then I also have my kids and like dealing with my own oh. shit and everything. But I, I, re- I want to be there for you. But there is a couple things. One is the hashtag I got out movement. Is people who've left all sorts of different cultic and abusive regimes and it's through the hashtag I got out. It's uniting with that hashtag and telling stories. And there's like free writing workshops and lots of resources. So oh,
4: yeah. Wow. Thank yeah you. And, and
0: we're working, we're trying to get the funds together to be able to provide therapy. But I really do think having the right therapist that you trust. That you can like share this stuff with, like in trauma informed therapy, because this is like what you're talking about is like I don't know if it's PTSD or complex PTSD. I'm not a psychologist, but it's one of those for sure. And that is something right. that can be treated. It's not something Thank that you, you just have to go through. Which I mean, there is some time that has to. It's just not like you can just take a one class and it's gone. Like time heals, but also there's ways to treat it. And also body work. Like if you can find someone that you trust to like massage and cranial sacral and get that that. The trauma out of your system that way.
4: Yeah. You know, it's hard as when you get out of this thing, he's unplugged everything you believe heals you. Right. So I couldn't even like a green drink, water, prayer, yoga, all the things that normally were my outlet. Mm-hmm are gone. Like I couldn't even write anymore. I just felt like catatonic, you know, I can feel myself. I'm climbing the ladder and, but it's, it's really hard. And so I did go to back to my therapist, but he didn't, he wasn't trauma informed and it was just very traumatic to recount and he didn't really say anything.
0: No, that's not so a good I therapist need to have, for you.
4: Right. I need to have someone like Dan or someone that does deal with this. So I think that's a good sign for people that are listening to this and are like having a bad experience with their therapist. Like keep searching if once you find the funds, cause that's part of it, right. Is like, it's so hard for me to work right now. But when I do get that money, I, I am going to put that towards that. So thank you. Yeah,
0: for sure. And also even a great therapist could even say something like I know one of our ex members shared that she went to a, a therapist and who said something like, oh, tell me more about that. Like, but what do you mean? Da, da, da. And that was a that was a phrase Whoa. in Nexium. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean, money? What do you mean, love? What do you mean? What does that mean? Mean, 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 mean. And so like even just someone saying that was like trigger spiraled her back into, you know. PTSD so you have to find someone and there's lots of resources actually on Yanya's website and she's lots of like very very well priced workshops that like even you guys could do one together so you don't doesn't have to be like open to a bunch of other groups you know what I mean? Amazing
4: do we have to chop our ass or it's okay if we don't?
0: oh yeah oh yeah we didn't do a chop our ass thank you
1: oh god damn oh my god (laughs) let's start chapping asses are a chapping let's do it (laughs) Some people just fast forward to the ass chapping part.
0: Although one person wrote to me saying that it was inappropriate to have ass chapping in a group that was called a sex cult, but I told them that they should probably follow another (laughs) podcast.
3: It (laughs) totally is.
0: Okay, go for it.
3: Oh yeah. So no, what chaps my ass is just that they think Bentinho is more enlightened than Jesus, but he steals from and abuses women. That chaps my ass pretty hard.
4: It's pretty basic. Jade? So what chaps my ass is that the biggest STS of all time is calling everyone else one. And he just runs around saying that you're you're the one that's like the devil. And there's this song by Billie Eilish that I found recently. I think it's called Your Power. And I sent it to our group because it says like, I thought you were the devil because of me or something. It's just that whole idea that he just puts on you that you're this negative entity. And I've never met a bigger one in my life than him. That's a classic. And also, I think it's funny that STS sounds like SD. <laughs> he is an STD on this planet and we need to get rid
2: of him. Yes, absolutely. Jacqueline. Okay. So what chaps my ass is basically everything, just basically the fact that everything applies to everyone, but nothing applies to him. So one of the funny ones is he would go online and a big thing he would say to people is how much he does not care about his appearance or what he looks like and how he only dresses this certain way to appeal to millennials so that they will, you know, learn these enlightenment teachings and we can help the planet. But what they don't see behind the scenes is that he's just spent an hour getting ready because like one strand of hair isn't falling perfectly or his suit hasn't been ironed perfectly and he's yelling at everybody about his clothes not looking right. Those are just examples. I'm obviously paraphrasing the scenario. Or, you know, a girlfriend could have pimples or be a certain weight or their hair could be doing something that means something about them, but then he could get a cold sore, for example, and that means nothing about him. And then he needs everyone else in the community to also get it. That really chaps my ass.
0: Yes. That's awesome. Thank you for your time. Thanks for your honesty and your bravery you, and your candidness. And uh, for trusting us with this very important story. It means a lot to us. Imagine yourself walking into a forest. You can see the path and the trees. High above you, the air is crisp. You are walking towards your happy place. allegedly, allegedly. Say it with me. Anything said here on this podcast about alleged cults, alleged MLM schemes, alleged douchebaggery, mindfuckery, criminality, spiritual fraud, or the like is offered purely as commentary because the views and opinions expressed on A Little Bit Culty do not necessarily reflect on official policy or position of the podcast. And any content provided by our guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, business individual, anyone, or anything. So just let these words drift into your mind without needing to focus on any of them. You are great. You are capable. You deserve to be happy. Nobody's mad at you unless you're actually a narcissistic, culty criminal. If that's you, cut that shit out. Don't be a fuckwad. But if that's not you, Again, you are great. You are capable. You deserve to be happy. A little bit Kalti loves you. Wow, that was an epic journey, babe.
1: What do you say to that?
0: I mean, I hope that people who are following the box, that they hear this and that they take it seriously and that, you know, even if they've had a good experience.
1: See what happens when you ask a question.
0: Yeah, see what happens when you ask a question. And if you ask Bento, you know, what do you think about these people who've left, who are close to you and are now saying that they've been abused? If he says that these, you know, that the women are crazy or that, that they are women scorned or that you can't trust them or they've lost their mind or they're having a spiritual whatever and that there's an entity taken over their body, you know, that's a really big red flag, a really big red flag. The only response should be, wow, I'm so sorry about what I did and I need to fix it. And yeah. anything other than that, Get the fuck out. That's what I have to say. Watch the vow. Yeah. Watch the vow. Yeah. So thank you to Keelan. Yeah, and thank you
1: for all of them. That was really helpful. Jacqueline brave. originally
0: was the first person who reached out. We connected right away over Instagram. We related very much to each other's stories. And then meeting Keelan and, and Jade because of Jacqueline has really put a fire under my butt to, to help survivors in these situations get their stories out in a way that's safe. And I also felt like there was a lot of responsibility that we had to create a safe space for them because it, in many ways it felt kind of like, you know, a casual therapy session that's really, really heavy stuff that we're covering.
1: And thanks to you for making this happen, Sarah. Oh, thanks, babe. A lot of that has to do with your empathy.
0: No, I appreciate that. That means a lot. (laughs) And in case anyone's concerned about how everyone's doing, I did connect them with Yanya. Lalich, who did some group stuff with them. So they had some real therapy as well as our our talk. So I want to make sure that everyone's okay and they're okay.
1: And do we know where the box is?
0: Box is allegedly hiding out in the Netherlands somewhere and is on the lam. Is that the right way of saying it? On the lam? On on the 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 (laughs)
1: lam.
0: On the lam. Because there's
1: a warrant out for his arrest, I believe, in Sedona, correct? Yeah. And there's some articles that people can read about uh, in our show notes to kind of get an update of that. Hopefully this frees people. From his clinches. yeah.
0: Be free, Bento Box followers. Oh, yeah. Do you have a word salad for us?
1: This guy's a maestro at Word Salad. And if you go to <laughs> he sure is. His, his Instagram, I I think I've kind of met my match. You know, I thought I was good at this <laughs> until the box just kind of put me to shame. I've been humbled by the box. I can't even make sense of this. It's so good. It's so bad. I don't know how you want to even say it. He has a little bit of an accent, which I'm not going to attempt because it's hard to place. But imagine a man with a accent and very calm. Voice. And then I watched some of his videos, and he does like a whole thing with his finger where he's like, Follow my finger. And like, it's pretty weird. What's Once you burn up your common, scattered, third density desires having to do with the personal objectives of ownership, security, happiness associated with the five senses, and avoiding discomfort for the self, etc., having replaced them with the purified, one-pointed desire to serve all on behalf of the one Creator. You have indeed liberated yourself from the necessity for casting further reincarnative experiences of the third-density kind upon your soul. You may then still be far from flawless, and your journey into the Creator shall continue. However, it won't be in the chemical 3D sense unless deliberately chosen as an act of service by means of walking amongst those who still need the lessons best learned and third-density space-time. Excuse me while I go vibrate.
0: <laughs> I think your vibration is much higher oh, now that you've
1: oh God, I'm, it, it, you dealt, dealt
0: with those third-density things. I'm,
1: I'm a banjo right now.
0: On that note...
1: On that note... <sighs> on that note oof, box, Piece of work.
0: Thanks, babe. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That's a marathon. It was. I hope that this helps you to avoid people like the bento box and... Have a good day.
1: Okay. <laughs> I just yeah. feel, just, a lot. There you go. There you go, sir. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll end then. it there. Bye. Let's keep the conversation going. We'll be back soon with more episodes of A Little Bit Culty with more experts and survivors and sometimes experts who are survivors, as well as some familiar faces from The Vow from HBO. If you've got suggestions or questions on upcoming topics, find us on Instagram at a little bit culty.
0: And for more background on what brought me here, my memoir Scarred: The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life, is available on Amazon, Audible, and where most books
1: are sold. If you'd like to help us spread the word about a little bit culty podcast, please give us a 5-star review and tell your friends to subscribe.
0: Seriously, like take out their phone and tell them to press subscribe. It takes a second. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. And if you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast to find show notes and helpful resources.
1: You might also find some offers from our sponsors there. And when you support our sponsors, you help us keep this podcast going. Just don't be a little bit culty about it.
0: A Little Bit Culty is executive produced by me, your co-host, Sarah Edmondson, and Anthony Nippy Ames that's me. Associate producer is Jess Tardy. Produced, edited, mixed, and mastered by Citizens of Sound. Our amazing theme song, Cultivated, is by John Bryant and co-written by Nigel Asselin. I'm Sarah Edmondson, and thanks for listening to A Little Bit Culty.